Welcome to an extraordinary edition of Rebellion's Educational Series. We're here with iconic astronaut Ray Seddon, one of the first females in space, an inspiration to me, an inspiration to many other astronauts I know, referred to as a national treasure and as a hero. It's my pleasure to introduce astronaut Seddon. Today, I'd like to ask you, how was it being in the first female class? Was it tough? Was it, did you feel you were treated equally to the males? Um, I think we were treated well, uh, in some ways kind of not equal, but uh, we were treated very well. Uh, it was an exciting time. Uh, the women had to sort of find their path, um, their strengths, and we really had to learn how to fit in. Uh, none of us wanted to be ostracized or set aside. Um, and so we had some learning to do. Uh, all of us tried to work really, really hard. I think when women are the first in anything, they have to work extra hard uh, to prove themselves. And I think we did that. Um, we didn't ask any special favors or, or things like that. If there were things that had to be done, uh, learning things or physical things, uh, we tried our best uh, to be able to do them and do them well. So it was, uh, it was- trial by, a, a trial by water is what you have said? <laughs> yes. Uh, the, one of the hardest things for me early on in our astronaut training was that we had to um, become uh, scuba certified. Um, because when astronauts train for spacewalks, they do it in a large water tank with a, a spacewalk suit on. And if the, the helmet floods for some reason, they have safety divers that will come over and give you a scuba mouthpiece. So you have to be comfortable with that. So um, that was difficult for me because I wasn't a good swimmer. Uh, but, you know, you had, to, you had to go through all the scuba stuff as though you were going to be, well, certified to be uh, a scuba diver, um, but that entailed swimming uh, the length of the uh, recreation center's pool underwater. Um, you had to be able to go down to the bottom of the pool and pick up a brick and carry it up to the service. You had to um, tread water for 20 minutes. All of that was really difficult for me, and I thought I was going to fail and not be in the astronaut program anymore. Um, How many times were you dropped from a helicopter? Um, we did go through water survival training and um, probably a couple of times uh, we were dropped in the water um, out on Biscayne Bay in Florida. Uh, but that was pretty easy because um, all you had to do was inflate your um, life preservers and float. Well, what was the hardest part of being an astronaut for 20 years in your opinion? I think that was one of the hardest things was the physical part of things because I was mm. the smallest person that they had ever taken. And I don't think NASA was really um, ready for somebody that was my size. Uh, and I had to, uh, I had to learn um, different ways of dealing with that. I had to do things differently sometimes um, because I was so small. Well, speaking of fear, you wrote this fantastic book, Go For Orbit. And I, I really just loved reading it the other night while listening to my Andrea Bocelli. And there was one line that 
struck me where you said, quote, we were in a thin protective cocoon in the midst of a fireball as hot as the surface of the sun. I mean, how terrifying was reentry for you? Um, I think it was pretty terrifying. You know, the launch itself is lots of noise and vibration and some G-forces and things like that. But then when you re-enter the atmosphere and, and go through um, all the air molecules, it heats up outside. So it, um, it really does feel like you're, you're flying in the middle of a fireball and you're aware of the fact that there's not much protecting you from the outside of the, uh, the outside. And that if uh, there's a hole somewhere or there's a breach somewhere or something bad happens, but I guess I always sort of felt like whatever happened on launch or entry, it was gonna be catastrophic and it would all be over. But so. did you feel confident in the space shuttle? I did, I did. Uh, I didn't fly early in the program, so um, got to watch um, my husband fly, got to see my friends fly, um, and we gained confidence in- Our audience should know, by the way, that your husband is uh, another legendary astronaut, uh, Gibson, uh, who's- Probably more legendary than I am, but uh, he was a great astronaut. He was, uh, he became head of the astronaut office at one point in time. you know, his background is aviation and engineering, and he was a perfect fit for now. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and upon watching you uh, this morning, she started talking about space. So I wonder how many people you have and will inspire with your work. So, um, you know, I should take tremendous pride in that uh, astronaut. Um, I, I, you know, that's one, of the, that's one of the things you sign up for when you become an astronaut. You have to be able to go out and, and share your story and inspire younger people and tell them, you know, that it going can be tough, but you have to keep going and you will accomplish the things you wish to accomplish. Well, what's so amazing about your career remarkable and inspiring is the fact that you have saved lives and inspired others. You were an emergency room doctor for mm-hmm. years that's, you know, to have done both that and to walk in space. I mean, you've really done the two most remarkable things that this, you know, in my opinion, you can do as a human being. Well, you know, they, they were both things that I really, really wanted to do. I didn't ever think I'd become an astronaut. So I set the goal of becoming a, a surgeon and uh, had to work really hard at that and thought that that's what I would be doing with my life um, until they opened the astronaut program for women. So uh, the timing was perfect for me, and uh, you know it led me to a totally different life, uh, but one that was pretty amazing. I met my husband through uh, NASA, and um, you know we were blessed with some astro tots, some children born to astronauts, and so I felt like I had really had a, a very full life. Absolutely uh, wonderful. You also said previously that the Challenger explosion was the one time you had really thought about uh, leaving NASA. Uh, How long did it take you to come back from that? Well, you know, uh, when you dedicate your life to something like the astronaut program, um, you have to think about things like that. I mean, I had young children and I had to worry about, you know, my own mortality, but Um, I had been assigned to a a second flight and had been training for that. And um, 
that was my dream flight. It was all about life sciences and studying adaptation to, to weightlessness. And that was the flight that I really wanted to make. I made a first flight and launched satellites, but um, you know, performed, uh, you performed surgery in space. I mean, albeit on, on rats, but you were the first yeah. person to perform surgery on space. And so that's exactly. also another remarkable first that you have. Absolutely. Do you yeah. think it'll be easy to provide healthcare on Mars or is, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, not easy, but oh. it's something we have to learn how to do. I think that if we go to the moon and um, find out what uh, a moon colony is like and how much um, how much better things are in one seventh in one third g I guess but you'll have some g forces on the moon and you'll learn to live with partial gravity and that will give us a lot of information about what it's going to be like when we go to Mars um, so you know I think that that's a, a wonderful goal and I think that uh, we'll learn a lot from the moon habitat, and then we'll be able to, to know better what we're gonna be up against when we get to Mars. Do you wanna go back into space one day? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I suppose if they asked me and I had a, a particular reason um, that, uh, you know, I might, but I don't know. I think that the younger people ought to have a chance uh, now, and uh, I'll just watch them and cheer them on. I have a question. On your first uh, space shuttle launch, was the initial feeling, was that kind of your most exciting time uh, when launch occurred on the first time? Was that kind of your, the, you know, the peak early on? Yeah, you know, you, you train a long time for a, a flight. And, you know, my, my flights, some of them are delayed and, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of a downer when, you know, you go out and strap in and get ready and everybody's watching. And for some reason you don't launch that day. Uh, it's, it's difficult, but, you know, once you feel the boosters ignite, you know, you're on your way, it, you know, all the training is, you know, it was worth it. Uh, and it was always very exciting when, when that happened. But I think on my first one, I was just, you know, finally excited to get to go because you're not a real astronaut until you've flown in space. So I knew, you know, when we when we passed 50 miles up that I was gonna get my astronaut wings. So that's pretty exciting. So how different was it by your 700th hour up in space? Mentally, by my physically. So you spent over 700 hours in space. And so how different was it physically, mentally for you by the 700th hour? Well, you know, it just sort of felt like I had hit my stride. I had um, I had learned how to deal with weightlessness. I knew what it was going to be like. Um, my second and third flights, of course, were life sciences. And, um, you know, my second flight uh, was all about human adaptation. And my third flight was very much like it. Uh, my third flight, I was the payload commander. And so was kind of the leader in getting everything done. Uh, the way we wanted. And that was a real feeling of success. That flight to me was, uh, was perfect. We brought back all the information. We did the, the rat dissections that uh, we had trained and trained and trained for, and that all went well. You know, when, when the wheels stop on the runway and you're home, I mean, it's just this great relief and exuberance, especially when the flight went well. And we knew we had done a a great job and um, 
I think that was one of the most um, wonderful things in my life is when we rolled to a stop on my third flight and I thought, we did it, we did it. We did everything we were supposed to do and more. And I was very proud of that flight. John Young said, uh, greatest feeling he ever had was when he uh, you know, rolled to his first stop uh, from his first mission. Um, you did these experiments in space. I mean, how prepared were you in case one of them had gone array? I mean, I saw one of the other astronauts, uh, you know, looked like he could get you know, very sick from getting so, 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 so dizzy. I mean, did he, what did you have in space to, you know, kind of help him? Obviously, there was no real, you know, medevac available when you're <laughs> up in orbit. orbit uh. Well, you know, we had planned for all kinds of contingencies. It became er uh, evident early on in this shuttle program that we had quite a bit more room to move around than they did on the Apollo flights. And um, with moving around, a lot of people got disoriented and motion sick. And at first uh, it was just kind of like you had to tough it out. And then we found a medication that could be given um, with a shot that took care of that. So people were uh, felt a whole lot better about it. But we did have, you know, on board we had, um, we had a medical equipment set that we could do things for people, some pills, some shots, um, uh, some things like that. And um, every flight had two people that were trained as crew medical officers. Um, I didn't have to have a whole lot of training because I was already a doctor. But for instance, my husband always volunteered to be the crew medical officer on his flights. And he had to learn a little bit about you know, putting stitches in and pulling teeth and giving shots. And um, so we had, you know, as as we went along, we learned what we were going to need to do and what we needed to have on board um, to uh, to take care of anything that we might run across when we were there. I mean, what type of emergency plan did you have if things went array? How, how quickly could you get back, you know, conceivably to the desert? Well, you know, we always had plans. The shuttle had a number of what we called abort modes, meaning, you know, if you lost an engine, you could get oh. to Africa. If you, um, you know, if you lost an engine later on, you, you might make it to uh, Australia. And so we usually had, um, you know, a way to get back to earth if we needed to. Um, obviously we learned from the Challenger and the Columbia accidents that there were certain failure modes that were not survivable. But like uh, in a but, fire drill, how quickly could you get from emergency to, you, know, you think on the ground, like 90 minutes, 45 minutes? I was curious about that. Um, something like that. I, uh, you know, I've kind of forgotten the timing, but you could uh, get to Africa if you needed to in 35 minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, and then think about landing in, in Africa somewhere. Um, but we had to have our shots for Africa, you know, about yellow fever and I've forgotten what, but it was kind of silly to think that we were going to land there. But, um, you know, we, we had ways to get back down to the ground in certain instances. You couldn't just fly to an airport. There were certain landing sites and you had to be within range of those. Was there an Apollo astronaut that ever inspired you or that mentored you or your friends with at all? Oh, gosh. Alan Bean. Alan Bean had flown in space, flew on, you know, walked on the moon, uh, just a terrific hero that I, I knew about. And then he took on the task of being our trainer for uh, our 1978 class. We called ourselves the 35 new guys, even though six of us weren't guys. 
but he took on this task kind of as a senior person who'd, you know, finished his flying days. Uh, he took on the task of being our trainer and uh, he arranged everything. He taught us so much. He was just quite an inspiration. And especially to me, I got to know him personally. You know, we, our group traveled all over the country and I happened to sit next to him on the plane one time and I asked him what, you know, you've done so many things. What do you want to do next? And he said, I'm going to be an artist, which I thought was kind of strange, but he turned out to be a wonderful artist, but um, he became a close friend. And, and um, I think that's the person that I, I got closest to, of course, um, you know, every time I flew, um, there was an older astronaut who was the commander and um, sometimes not older but, than me, but, um, you know, they were all people that I got to know really well, got to know their, their um, families, their spouses. Uh, you know, if you train together, your, your family does social things together. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of people along the way. Uh, I just remember Alan as one of the most inspirational senior astronauts that I ever got to know. Yeah, I know your families were all very close and, uh, Obviously, that reminds me again of uh, astronaut Mike Mullane, for instance, who's extremely close with uh, astronaut Resnick. Um, and so, you know, he, he hit tremendously. Uh, did you work with the families after that, uh, after Challenger? Did, did you spend time with them? I I... Um, not really. I think we all tried to support them in any way that we could. Yeah. Um, they had a whole cadre of people that were there to um, make sure that everything was taken care of. Uh, they, the astronaut office had assigned astronauts um, to each of the crew members. And we did that even after Challenger, you know, you made sure that there was somebody uh, on the ground that um, would help take care of your family. So oh, I, I didn't know that, no, uh, very interesting. So when you went up, there was someone who would talk, who would mm -hmm. work with your family. Mm -hmm. oh, very interesting. Exactly. Did, you become, did you become friends with that astronaut? Did you guys kind of oh, bond? Or? Gosh, yes. Okay. You know, if you, if you know that you've got to sit down and ask somebody where their will is and what gotcha. they wanted to do about being buried. And, you know, you got really close to people. And it was one of those things that it was a way of giving back um, to help the others along the way. Um, but... Um, that was a good thing. That was part of our, I think our astronaut support plan. You know, when we, when we originally were flying, no one considered, um, you know, what the families were going through. Initially, we all had to take care of our own plans to get um, to launch site, our family plans, you know, and everybody had to make their own personal airline reservations, hotel reservations. And we learned after Challenger that everything was totally disorganized. Uh, Nobody knew where the families were staying, how to get them checked out of their hotels, get them back to Houston. You know, uh, that was oh. a big step for the astronaut uh, program. Pinky Nelson put that together and, and ran it through all the hoops that he had um, to, to make all of that happen. You know, get the NASA planes to take people back, um, you know, make sure everybody um, was in the same hotel. Uh, we had two astronauts uh, for each flight that were the family support people. And they, you know, made sure everybody's luggage got to the right place, then got back to Houston if it needed to. So, um, you know, the, along the way, we learned how to do it better and better. Well, 
Did you have the right privacy when you were on board the space shuttle as a, as a female? Did you feel comfortable uh, during oh, yeah. flights? Okay. You know, we had a bathroom up there. We had a door that you could pull closed. So, and um, you know, I slept. I slept in the airlock. Um, so, you just sort of made your own little place. And you know, some people were totally open about changing clothes in the middle of the middeck. That's oh. fine. Well, I mean, you're a, a Berkeley alumnus. So you, you know, obviously it's nothing you hadn't seen before. Uh, I'm a doctor. Uh, a doctor and a Berkeley alumnus. So I loved when you talked about uh, the Forrest Gump scene where uh, you're like, oh, well that happened. Uh, yeah, no, Berkeley must've been quite the place. So um, <laughs> it was. Uh, no, uh, we love Berkeley actually. Uh, one of our uh, Rebellion's board members is uh, Dean uh, Kreitzman. Uh, so, uh, and um I guess my, my last question is, what would you say to the seven-year-olds, the 10-year-olds, and even the 15-year-olds who want to become astronauts out there? Well, I tell them all that, you, you know, you have to dream big is okay. what, you know, what I always did. And there were a lot of times that I thought I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do, but I found a way to do something a little bit different or improve my chances. Uh, and sometimes it's, just luck, but most of the time it's hard work. You know, I never would have become an astronaut if I hadn't gone to medical school and done a residency and spent years and years of preparatory work. So I tell young people to dream big and work hard um, because that's going to get you to where you want to go. And if one plan doesn't work out, try something else. Um, but it's, you know, it's part of life. And if you want to do great things, you have to Get ready for them. Well, I would recommend they buy Go for Orbit on Amazon. The link will be under this article. It's absolutely yes. a fantastic read. I really loved it. As you know, I'm, I, 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 I found it riveting. You, you, you have a kind of an Ernest Hemingway uh, way of talking to the writer in simplistic ways about kind of very large issues. And so I, I, I really. But you, it's difficult to find it on Amazon, but they can find it on my website, um, www.raysedden.com. Um, and well, I'll be there as well. Autograph books on, through that, but um, that's the best way to get it. But, you know, I, it's not a deep literary tome. It's just a simple mm -hmm. story of uh, a young woman that became an astronaut and uh, had a wonderful life. Well, the right stuff was a simple story also happened to inspire generations of people. So I, I, you know, I argue this is really just an absolutely excellent read and, you know, it should be next to on your reading list. Uh, astronaut, uh, the absolute honor of my life to be able to converse with you today and uh, please stay safe. And thank you for giving us the time. You too, Alexander, you've done quite well. Thank you for all the good questions. Oh, pleasure was all mine.